0: And so this morning, you can see, we are talking about the art of romance, part one. So some kids were asked, how do you romance someone so they will fall in love with you? Well, Dell, age six, said, tell them you own a whole bunch of candy stores. (laughs) Tom, age seven, said, spend most of your time loving instead of going to work. Roger, age eight, said, don't forget your wife's name. That will mess up the love. Randy, age eight, said, be a good kisser. It might make your wife forget the fact that you never take out the trash. Bart, age nine, said, take the girl out to eat, but make sure it's something she likes to eat. French fries usually work. All right. Here's a question I want you to think about. You're married. Okay. Uh, If you had to graph, if you had to chart romance in your marriage, what would that chart look like, you know, as you have progressed over the years? Are you kind of flatlined in your romance? Is the trajectory going up, you know, in terms of more romances, Is it kind of declining? You know, marriages, most marriages, they start off with a high sense of romance, passion, intimacy, affection. But then as time goes on, the level of that romance in that marriage typically starts to decline. Marriage kind of becomes more businesslike, lacking affection and tenderness. It can can go from hot to cold, kind of like this couple. The wife, uh, she catches a cold. And uh, the first year, the husband says, sugar, I'm worried about you, my precious bride. you got that bad sniffle. I want to put you in the hospital for a complete checkup. I know the food is lousy, but I've arranged the food to be delivered to you from Rosini's. Hey, everything's arranged. Second year, listen, honey, I don't like the sound of that cough. I called Dr. Miller. He's going to rush over right now. Third year, may you better lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest. I know you're feeling bad. I'll bring you something to eat. Fourth year. Look, dear, be sensible. After you've fed the kids, washed the dishes, you better hit the sack. Fifth year, why don't you take a couple of aspirin? Sixth year, you think you could gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal? Let me give you a principle. God's plan for marriage is not the disintegration of romance, but the deepening of romance. God's plan is not that the longer you're married, the less romantic you become. Nowhere in the Bible is that ever talked about. God's plan for marriage is that there be this deepening sense of romance that as time goes on, it continues to slowly go up. In this session, we're going to talk about the art of deepening romance in your marriage. I don't know. How long have you been married? Is it a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, or beyond that? Regardless of how long or short you've been married, we're going to learn some very powerful principles about deepening romance in marriage. So the couple that we've been studying is Solomon and the Shulamite. And there's eight scenes in the book. There's eight chapters, and and these portray these eight stages of all romantic uh, relationships. Stage one was all about their attraction, and then their dating life, stage two, and Their third stage was courtship. The fourth was ceremony. The fifth was intimacy. The sixth was conflict resolution. And the seventh, which we're going to study now in next session, is the deepening of romance. And that's seen in chapter 7, verses 1 through chapter 8, verse 4. Now, the larger context is found in chapter 6, verse 11. It's in your notes. And notice what Solomon says. He says, I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley to see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. So what season is it? It's spring. you remember, if you've been with us, that the couple got married in spring, and now they are back in spring. We're not sure how long they've been married at this point. Some scholars think a year, perhaps it's longer than a year, several years. We don't know, but we know it's springtime again. The point is this, we're going to discover that romance is fully alive and vibrant in their marriage. Romance didn't dissolve, it evolved. It didn't go down, it went up. It didn't decline, it went deeper, wider, and more meaningful. That is God's plan for marriage. Romance doesn't end at the honeymoon, it just begins at the honeymoon. In God's plan, Now, let me give you this. The number one toxin that sends romance into decline is this, laziness. If you get lazy with anything in life, that will lead to decline. And we know this is the case in any area of life. Your backyard. (laughs) You get lazy about your backyard, just weeds and just, you know, your car. You get lazy about the maintenance on your car, it's just going to decline. Your body, you get lazy about exercising or the type of food you eat, whatever. Even your spiritual life. And there were a group of Christians who got lazy about their relationship with Jesus. And this is what Jesus said about them in Revelation 2.4. You have forsaken your first love. The Ephesian Christians got so busy with life, they got lazy with their relationship with Jesus and I'll tell you, it's very easy to get busy with life, to get busy with the kids or the grandkids or work or whatever, and watch this, you forget about your spouse. It wasn't intentional, it just happened. And all of a sudden, you wake up and you're like, we are so flatlined or even declining. It's possible to forsake your first love with your husband or wife. This happens, never intentionally. It just kind of catches you and you're like, what happened? And you wake up and you're like, whoa, and this is maybe the wake up call for you. If you want to quench romance in your marriage, watch this, just take each other for granted. Get apathetic about each other. Become a spouse potato. I'm not saying you're that at work or with other things, but with your spouse, you've just put it into neutral. Make everything a priority but your husband or wife. That's how you just, romance just begins to go downhill. Now, Jesus said in Revelation 2.5, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent. That means turn around and do the things you did at first. Would you underline that? Do the things you did at first. You see, there was a time in your marriage where everything was on fire. You got to go back to that. And Jesus says, if you do not repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, you don't change. The romance is going to just like, what's going to happen? Hmm. Let me tell you a little something about dating. We spent two sessions on that. Watch this. Some of you kind of pow powed that. You just kind of looked down on that. Never stop dating your husband or wife. That tells me everything about your romance is your dating life with your spouse. If you're looking down on that, you're going to be looking down on a, on, a, on a marriage that just start to flush down in terms of romance. It's key to ongoing romance. By the way, one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids or your grandkids is an on-fire dating life and marriage. Do your kids know you date? If not, what is that telling them about marriage? That, you know, as soon as you get married, all the fun leaves? I mean, you want to portray for your kids so they see you as like, mom and dad, love each other. This gives them a vision for one day what their marriage can be. Now, let me give you one key observation about the text, and then we're going to kind of jump into it of what we're going to be studying this morning. And what we see here is something our culture does not teach. But this is not about what culture says, how to have a great romance in marriage. This is about what God says. And what we see in chapter 7, verses 1 to 9, and then we're going to study it, is that the guy is the initiator of romance. You're like, well, wait a minute, Mark. Isn't my wife romantic? And she, yeah, she, she's geared for romance. But guess what? Biblically, the man is called to be the initiator, the leader of romance for marriage. And then chapter 7, verse 9, through chapter 8, verse 4, the woman is called to be the responder. So let me put it in a principle, Now we're going to talk about it. Observation, the man is to be the initiator, the leader of romance in marriages. So guys, I want to talk to you a little bit, just kind of man to man, guy to guy. Can you see yourself telling your wife, I love you, honey? Can you see yourself kneeling before your wife, taking her by the hand, and saying, Honey, you are the greatest ever. I love you. Can you see yourself doing that? Do you have a little Shakespeare in you? If you don't think you got it, you've got to dig deep down and you've got to find it. And we're going to help you find it here in these next two sessions. Because I'm going to, I assure you, You may not think you are Romeo, but watch this. You have married Juliet. You have. There is not a woman on earth that doesn't want to be treated with tenderness and romance and consideration and courtesy and etiquette and delicacy by her husband. And if somehow you have convinced yourself as a man that your wife is the exception, you are deceived. And if your wife feels this way because she's lost hope, you need a wake-up call as a man because your wife cannot change how she is wired. She is wired to receive romance, romantic love from you. Don't quench that from her, and you'll see her blossom like a flower. All women want to be treated as in a romantic way and and if you don't treat them that way they have a certain means of negotiation <laughs> now in God's divine plan the man is called to be the leader of romance and and I just need to say this guys the culture doesn't tell you this but you are wired to be romantic you just are and if you deny this part about you you deny part of your manhood God watched this is a romantic God, and God loves us with a romantic everlasting love. The story of the Bible is the greatest love story, romantic love story, ever in the history of the world. It's the story of a God who absolutely is, is in absolute passionate romantic love with his bride, and he gives himself to her with this amazing romantic love through Jesus. And because you are created in the image of God, you as a man are created with romantic love capability and creativity. It's part of who you are. But our society teaches you to deny that and not even exercise it and actually put it as something that's not important. And that is so, we've got to follow God's word, not the culture, if you want a great marriage. Now, what it comes down to this is for you, and then I'm going to move on here as men, is that you will either choose to be lazy or you will commit yourself to grow in your romantic potential and lead your wife into deeper romance because I guarantee you will not grow in romance from your wife. It's not going to happen. Your marriage will not become more more romantic from her. It's going to be you as a man leading the way and she will reciprocate. It must be you. So here's a principle. Real men lead their wives and marriages into deeper romance. And men you need to be taught and that's why we're going to spend some time looking at God's word. Because our culture doesn't teach this. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 gives us the number one command of husbands with respect to their wives. Husbands, what does it say? Love. Love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So as men, we are called to learn the art of love and how to be romantic and then lead our wives into this romantic love marriage. And wives, your call is to watch this, reciprocate. That doesn't mean that takes you off, okay, you just sit there and, and, and receive. No, 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 then you reciprocate what you are receiving from your husband. And Solomon shows us the way. So over the next two Sundays, we're gonna talk about 10 principles for deepening your romance in marriage. This morning, we're gonna look at the five Verse 5, found in chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. Then next session, we'll look at five more principles found in chapter 7, verse 4, through chapter 8, verse 4. Now, the context for all of this is the home. It probably is the bedroom, back again. And and Solomon begins in chapter 7, verse 1, by saying this, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. He's speaking to the Shulamite with those words. Now, on their honeymoon, you'll remember that Solomon started with her hair her nose, her lips, and then he went from top to bottom complimenting his wife. Now he's starting with her feet, and he's going up her body. And notice how he starts with a part of her body that's typically not that glamorous. He says, your feet are beautiful. So the first principle for deepening your romance is this. Romance her with a greater understanding. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Solomon has grown in this knowledge of his wife. And Solomon is reflecting to her a greater understanding of who she is. He says, how beautiful are your sandaled feet. This is the first time in the book that he's pointed out her feet. And as a man, you've got to study your wife. You've got to understand her. You've got to catch the nuances about her. How? You spend time with her. (laughs) You look at her. You notice her. You study her. That's The basis for where romance flows is an understanding of your wife, and then you reflect in that understanding to her. This shows you care, you're interested in her, you're sensitive to her. Romance to a woman, watch this, is in the details. Details to a woman are romantic. She's like, whoa, he saw that. That is a turn-on to a woman. Guys, make a note. Once you get married, still talk to her. Once you get married, still look at her. Still listen to her. After you get married, still develop this relationship with her. Learn about your wife. Now watch this. I make it a goal to learn something new about Tracy and point it out to her every single day. And it is so simple. There's five things a day that I learn that are new about her, but I make it a goal every day to point out her something new. The way that she does something, the way she thinks, the way she talks, how she combs her hair, how she stands, why she does what she does, it's fascinating to me, and she finds it unbelievably romantic. So I just want to ask you a question. When's the last time you pointed out something about your wife that you have never pointed out about her before? You do that, she will receive that as romance. Remember, when dating, you noticed everything about her, and you talked about everything you saw about her. Romance is in the details, even something like, wow, you have beautiful feet, or those are really nice shoes. Romance her by showing her a greater understanding of who she is. I know for you, as a guy, you're like, that's romance, but for her, that is. She's going, my man is in tune with me. He sees me. Wow. You know, a a while ago, this is one of the things I noticed, you know, and I, honestly, every day, it's something new. But uh, women are fascinating because they're so complex, and I just am amazed. So Tracy, you know, I noticed she would, in our master bathroom, she'd wash her hands, and then she'd turn around to dry her hands. My towel is closest, but she'd always reach around and dry her hands on my towel. And I thought for years, she's so kind. She doesn't want to like, you know, mess up my towel. I I always see this. I go, I have the nicest wife in the world. And then it dawned on me. I thought, is she not trying her hands off of my towel because it's my towel and maybe she thinks it's dirty or something? (laughs) So I one day said to Tracy, I go, Trace, I noticed that you always do this. You're just so amazing. But I go, why don't you dry your hands on my towel? It's closer than your towel. She goes, Mark have you seen where that towel touches? (laughs) She's never touched my towel except when it comes to washing it. And I just cracked up. And I just went, that's a, romance your wife with greater understanding. Second thing, romance her with greater praise. If your romance of your wife is going to deepen, your praise, your exaltation of her must deepen. Your terminology, your descriptions of her must deepen. And in the book, Solomon has called her his dove, his unique one, perfect one, darling, mare, lily, rose. And right now, he calls her literally royalty in chapter 7, verse 1. O prince's daughter, he says. You know what Proverbs 25, 11 says? A word aptly spoken. Would you underline that, men? A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Translation, A word aptly spoken to your wife is romance. You know what Proverbs 31, 28 and 29 says, Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. The call of the husband, watch this, is to praise his wife. Romance is cultivated in praise. So is the praise of your wife deepening? Is it growing? If so, your romance will be deepening. It will be growing. If you want to bless her soul, brag on her in front of your kids. Brag on her in front of your friends. Brag on her in front of everyone at work. Brag on her in front everywhere, publicly. Tell everyone, tell the sky how marvelous your wife is and she will melt in your presence. When's the last time you bragged about your wife? I tell our kids, I told our kids, now they're married, but I used to, you know, two out of three are. I've always told them, you marry someone half as amazing as your mom, you're going to be the luckiest man in the whole world. I virtually said that every day. It just drove them crazy. Because it praises Tracy publicly. I often look into Tracy's eyes, and I just say, Honey, you are the most amazing wife period. Praise is directed toward the character of a woman's life. I don't know, we've been married now 31 years, and my praise for her is deepening. And watch this, our romance is deepening. I just can't believe it. I go, I think of day one and to where it is now and how deep our love is. I think of how it's going to be 10, 20 years from today, even greater. My praise for her is deepening, and our romance is deepening. And by the way, I'm still learning. I have so far to go. I'm still growing in this area, and I will for the rest of my life. I'm not arrived in any way at all. I'm still learning. And you know what, ha- you know what happens in a, at a typical marriage conference? Have you ever gone to one? There's always a the time in that conference. If we had the time, we'd do it here, but we don't. But it's where you, you know, okay, guys, the men take out a sheet of paper, write down five things about your wife that you just love about her. Women, you do the same thing about five things you love about your husband. And then turn the chair to each other and just read your, 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 your list to one another. And wow. And she will hear things she's only dreamed of hearing her husband say. She will hear things that she's fantasized about hearing for years. Why not share those things daily? Why does it have to be at a marriage conference? Romance her with greater understanding. Romance her with greater praise, three. Romance her with greater exaltation. Look at chapter seven, verse one. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hands. Now, this is the first time he's pointed out her legs. Romance is found in the details, like we said. Romance is not general. I mean, if you're just like, I love you, honey. That's not romantic, I'm sorry. You've used that line before. You gotta come up with something new. It's new details. No, romance is like, wow, you have amazing legs. He's never said that to her before. Romance, watch this, write this down, is specific. Guy, it's not general, guys. Romance is specific. If your romance is gonna deepen, it's because you're gonna be exalting her specifically in certain areas. So let me just ask you, when's the last time you've exalted a specific, watch this, physical feature, this is what Solomon is doing, about your wife. Her eyes, her lips, her hair, her legs, her dress, whatever. To you as a guy, that may not be romantic, but for her, it's everything. Most women are incredibly self-conscious about their appearance, and our culture just pushes women in this area. There's always something Women would like to change about their lives or alter so they could feel better about themselves. One woman cried out to her husband, make me feel like I have worth as a person. Wow. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily. Would you underline that? Encourage your wives daily. A romantic husband encourages his wife every single day, every day. Romance her with greater understanding, greater praise, greater exaltation. Number four, romance her with greater appreciation. Now, as your appreciation for her grows, your romance will grow. Now, look at chapter 7, verse 2. This is kind of a funny verse for us. Your navel, honey, is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. And by the way, your waist, honey, is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Well, that's uh, quite a figure. Now... If you said that, I would not recommend you go home and read that to her eye to eye, okay? But we have to remember, this is Hebrew poetry, so let me explain it. In that culture, this is how it would be received. Wine and wheat, we need to understand, wine and wheat were both symbols of God's bountiful provision for the Israelites. So when you had ample wine and ample wheat, you were blessed, 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 blessed of God. And Solomon looks at his wife, and he says with this this word picture, he says, you, my darling, are the bountiful blessing of God. You are like the abundance of wheat and wine. You are life generously given by God to me. I don't know. Ladies, do you think you could feel something for a man who's trying to love you and build you up this way? I mean, your guy, your guy might be as ugly as a mudfish, you know what a mudfish is? A mud, I'm in Vietnam. I'm with Larry. We're on a mission trip. And, and I'm not feeling too good. And we're at a big table, Vietnamese, and they want to treat us. And it's homemade food. And they bring in this big old plate in front of me. It has a lid on it. And they were, like, honoring me. And I, I'm, like, and Larry's sitting next to me. And I take, you know, then they come out and they took the lid off. And there's this mudfish just go, ah! And I mean, I almost want, I literally, I almost heaved right there looking at it. A mudfish is a fish lives in the mud that flops around from like the rice paddies. I mean, it is one ugly looking critter. And Larry's sitting next to me and Larry goes, Mark, when in Vietnam, do what they do. And he just took his fork, jammed it into the fish and just took out a hunk and started eating it. I'm almost like, oh, I'm just saying, your guy, he may have the looks of a mudfish, Okay. But ladies, could you still feel something for a man like this? He admires you. He praises you. He loves you. He appreciates you. He encourages you. He elevates you. Yeah, his word pictures and all that might not be on track, and they might be a little strange. But guess what, man? This guy has won your hearts. Because you see him trying. You see his attempt The A is given for the efforts. Your wives will just fall head over heels in love with you romantically when you do this. Proverbs 31, 31 says, Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. You see, that verse is about being paid. Give her the reward. I mean, how would you like working all week or all month, and then you get to the end of that week or month, and it's time for a pay, and the, and the boss says, nah, I ain't going to pay you. I mean, how does a wife feel? Raising kids, pouring her life out for her kids, her husband, keeping house, fixing meals, working a part-time or a full-time job, and not being paid the appreciation she deserves by her husband. Wow. What would it be like, day after day, doing all she does, never having her husband just Say, you are the greatest, most incredible, awesome wife in the whole world. I love you, honey. Want to know how a wife has an affair? I'm going to tell you how to have an affair. Five steps to lead a woman to have an affair. This is how affairs happen. They all start with the letter E. Number one, eliminate. Eliminate her tenderness, her affirmation, her encouragement, and this will create an emotional void in her life. Encounter, she meets someone and talks to someone who could potentially provide that emotional filling. Enjoy, she enjoys this person. He makes her feel good. She enjoys fantasizing about this person. Uh, He gives her the hormones that you once gave her, the hormones you promised her at the altar. Experiment, she experiments with this person. She shows up where she knows he might be. She talks very cautiously at first to see if there's any kind of signals. It's kind of like playing... You know, tennis. She volleys into his court. She's wondering, you know, I so enjoy spending time with you. You're so fun. And she waits, kind of, what is he going to say? She says, kind of daringly, well, I think I'm feeling something. He says, I think I'm feeling something too. And you all go on to the next step experience. She moves slowly into an emotional and then physical affair. Now, watch this. (laughs) This does not excuse her behavior, it is sin. Unfortunately, however, it does help to explain her behavior. Wow. Here's a question to ask your wife. Honey, do you ever feel deprived of what I vowed to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on our wedding day? That is a question to ask your wives. You romance her with greater understanding, greater praise, greater exaltation, and greater appreciation. Fifth way to deepen your romance, number five, romance her with greater physical affection. See, if your romance is going to deepen, uh, your physical affection must soften. In chapter 7, verse 3, it says, Solomon said, your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Now, where do we hear that? We heard that on their honeymoon, right? Remember that? Remember how to treat a woman's breasts, not gotcha, you know, (laughs) but tenderly, affectionately, like two fawns that (laughs) browse among the lilies. I, and you know and I, i'm you go to the far side of this and i'm not sure where we get this thinking but this kind of creeps in and believe me i've had wives tell me this it kind of creeps where do we get this idea that now that we are married we have the privilege or so how the honor of treating our wives roughly like one of the boys i mean nothing will irritate a wife more or demoralize a wife more than grabbing her harshly and disrespectfully, either publicly or privately. It's demeaning. Your wife doesn't want to be pot at, treated roughly, like one of the boys. Men, one of the most important things we can learn is just non-sexual touching, just tender touching. Don't deprive your wives, men of being touched in courteous ways, opening the door for her, holding her hand, putting your arm around her, hugging her, cuddling with her, communicating physically that you love her tenderly, affectionately. What bothers a woman is that a man doesn't reinforce his love for his wife physically until he wants to have sex, and then often she feels hustled and prostituted. That's the only time he touches her really? Here's some actual quotes from wives on the importance of tender physical affection or non-sexual touching. Wives said this, treat me as your wife, not as one of the children. Show me more affection and attention throughout the day. Come in after work, hug me, give me a good to see you kiss. Another said, give me a foot massage while we're watching TV. Even while we're watching the 49ers lose another game. Oh, I just added that. <laughs> it was getting a little quiet in here. I had to kind of break up the. If you're a Niner fan, sorry. Another wife said, Hold my hand even during relatively unromantic activities such as television, car riding, and so on. So just a question. Just a qu- Beloved, I'm saying all this so we can grow as men. Remember, we're the initiators. I'm growing with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We're men in arms trying to learn what our culture does not teach us to be romantic. But just when's the last time you showed your wife tender, physical, non-sexual touching? Romance her with greater understanding, greater praise, greater exultation, greater appreciation, greater physical affection. And then watch this. We're gonna, wives, we're going to talk about you big time next Sunday. right? Wives reciprocate. Romance him with greater understanding, greater praise, exaltation, appreciation, and tender physical affection. But the husband is called to lead. And here's the principle. The man is to be the initiator, the leader of romance and marriage. And the woman is to be the responder. She's called to be just as romantic, but not apart from his leading. Man, it's your marriage. It really, You're called to lead it. You're the head of the home. You're the head of that romance, and so am I. That's humbling. Here's a discussion. I want you to talk about it at your tables. What is the most important thing you have learned about deepening romance in marriage just from this message? Just kind of, what's the thing that just hit you between the eyes? I want to give you a couple of minutes to talk about it at your tables or if you're watching it on video in your small group. Go for it. Okay, let's, uh, we're talking about the art of romance. Romance is an art. It's kind of a lost art, but it is an art that needs to be maintained or rediscovered, reinvigorated in marriage all the time, all the time. It's something you're never going to stop working on. You're never going to stop learning. You're always going to want to be giving more attention to this and thinking about this and praying about this in your marriage. Um, So I want to kind of just underscore what the main points we've talked about and give you a little exercise. Um, So God's plan for marriage, it's not the disintegration of romance, but the deepening of romance. Everything on TV portrays in sitcoms the disintegration of romance, and the husband and wife, they just become real critical and sarcastic. That is not, from the Bible. That is not. And by the way, young people, we don't have a perfect marriage, but I can't tell you the number of young people that have come up for with Tracy and I and just said, Tracy, Mark, thank you so much for your marriage. It gives me hope. One of the greatest testimonies we have is our marriage, that it be characterized by romantic love. That your kids see that, that the world sees that, that your neighbors see that. See, when people see a married couple absolutely in love with each other, they go, maybe there is a God. (laughs) Because that takes a miracle, and it does take a miracle. But that miracle takes our work, our cooperation, our thinking, our engagement as a married couple, especially men. It takes a man, it takes a leader. So, the number one toxin that sends romance in decline is laziness. We just get lazy. I can get lazy, I'll be honest with you. Pray for me. I don't want to become lazy in this area. You know me. I, I'm absolutely consumed with ministry. I love it. I love traveling the globe, I love missions. I, I love everything about being a pastor. And I, I, I love my wife. And I, I want to give my marriage what it is due. One day the Lord's not going to, I don't know what the, yeah, he's going to say, I pray he's going to say, well done. But, you know, the number one command I'm given as a husband is to love my wife with romantic love. I think the Lord's going to say, evaluate, you know, my marriage one day and how I minister to my wife. Yeah, I minister to thousands around the world. How would you minister to Tracy? I pray that I will have an answer to him that brings him glory because I've given her the attention that she deserves. The man is called to be the initiator, the leader of romance and marriage. The woman is the responder. And we looked at five principles for deepening romance and marriage. Romance with greater understanding. That means get specific, notice things. Romance her with greater praise. Give details. Not just I love you, but why do you love her? Point out those things. Romance her with greater exaltation. Brag about her, privately and publicly. Romance her with greater appreciation. Build her up. Romance her with greater physical affection. Touch her in meaningful ways that communicate your love. You know, uh, I think I mentioned in this series a while ago a book that I read called The Happy Couple. And this is when I was going to cemetery. I was, it just feels like that, okay, when you're in it. So they they assigned this book, and I thought, what a hokey book, The Happy, no, it's called The Happy Couple, I think. And I read the book, and I go, this is actually very profound, because it's based on scientific study. They studied, you know, hundreds of couples, and they wanted to discover why certain couples are happy and others aren't. And this is what the the scientific uh, revealing of the book showed. Happy couples are happy because they talk happy about each other. And and I have never forgot that. If you want to have a romantic marriage, it's because you're going to talk romantic with each other. In other words, your speech leads the way. We've given you five ways, shades of romantic talk to bring into your marriage. Husbands, you lead the way, but wives, you reciprocate that same language. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about five more. Strategies to bring romantic talk into your marriage. I kind of have a theory. I'm not a psychologist, but this is kind of my theory. I'll give it to you and you can think about it later. I believe we feel the way we feel because we do what we do. We do what we do because we talk as we talk. We talk as we talk because we think as we think. We think, we talk, we do, we feel. If you feel as if you do not have romance in your marriage, it starts by thinking biblically, talking biblically, doing biblically, and you will have romance. Amen? Amen? My theory. Just been thinking about it for the last two minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you a project uh, that will guarantee to improve your romance. And I want to encourage you. Uh, in the series, Song of Solomon, these last three messages are really geared at married couples. I mean, really. Really. First half of the book is really for those dating, courting, finally get married, then deal with conflict and intimacy. All that is marriage. But these three messages, if you're married, you need to be here or be watching. Um, This really gets at the heart of how you grow your marriage and then you finish well. But here's a little thing to do at home, okay? Get alone with your husband and wife. Do the following. Just fill this out. My top five things I appreciate and love about my wife. Boom, fill them out. My top five things I most appreciate, love, respect about my husband, fill those out. And then just come together, face your spouse, and read that list. And then the final point, just see what happens. What's going to happen is this. Watch me. Your romance, if it's going down, it's going to start going up. If it's plateaued, it's going to start just with that alone Your romance in your marriage is going in the right direction. And then you just figure out how you can bring that into daily life. Woo! I like it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for kind of the challenge of marriage. It's quite a mystery, and it just brings us to our need for you. And like we've been saying all along, there are no perfect marriages. There are only growing marriages. And, Lord, we come to a a point like this, we just say, Lord, grow us. We need your help. We need your power. Thank you, Lord. Your plan is not the disintegration of romance, but the deepening of it in our marriages. And, Lord, if we've gotten lazy, if we've begun to just kind of take each other for granted, help us to repent. I mean, spiritually, deep down, repent of this neglect And help us to come back to the things that we did at first, even when we were dating, when our our romance and our marriage was on fire. We can rediscover that again. I pray you would help us to follow these principles, these steps for greater romance. I pray that the art of romance would be rekindled, that it would deepen in every marriage. Lord, this is your best for our romantic relationships. I, I pray for those... Uh, who are single, that they would receive great encouragement from listening to this. They would receive a picture, a vision for what marriage is to be, your call for what it is to look like when we do things your way. And so we want your way, God, and I pray your blessing over each person that right now is just bringing this prayer to you as well. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said...